0: This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show.
1: Hey, cousin Paul, you want to talk about wrestling?
0: Uh I want to talk about many things. Uh mostly not the pay-per-view that's coming up, but a little bit of that.
1: We'll have um, to touch on it. We have to give kind of our picks and everything, but uh hey, you
0: can't make me touch on anything.
1: That's fair enough. You're an adult human being, you make okay, your own
0: decisions. No. Um we'll t- we'll touch on that, which I did not know the card literally until Aaron sent all of his picks uh, mocking the card.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like Aaron that.
0: loves and hates wrestling more than anybody. He does. But only at the same time. He doesn't love it more than anybody. He doesn't hate it more than anybody. He does both at the same time more than anybody. Uh, But I want to talk about two things that also relate to what you want to talk about. I want to talk a little bit about Royal Rumble 92 and Survivor Series 91. Okay. And uh, for odd reasons. So where do you want to start?
1: I want to start with Bobby the Brain Heenan.
0: That's a good place to start.
1: Because it's a good segue Bobby the Brain Heenan unfortunately passed away um and arguably he is like when I was a kid I remember as a small kid I remember him being a a manager on the tail end of his career and (laughs) having the occasional match but he always just got his ass whooped uh but I primarily remember Bobby the Brain Heenan uh doing commentary or calling commentary with Gorilla Monsoon first on primetime wrestling on the pay-per-views and then later WCW. So to me, you know, the brain, I've always loved the brain for his, for his quick wit, for his comedy, for everything. You know what I mean? Like he was like the master of the zinger one liner practice in wrestling for me and probably his greatest ever commentary job was Royal Rumble nineteen
0: ninety two? Yeah, he was great on that. I mean, he he put over uh, people you knew. Like now, you look at you know, like Tito Santana comes out, yeah. and he's he's convincing you that Tito Santana can win that Royal Rumble. Yeah, when you know that by that point in his career, Tito Santana can't win
1: anything. Right. But mostly my my favorite part of it was his bias towards Ric Flair for the whole thing. And Gorilla Monster. Oh, like, yeah. You're supposed oh, to be you're supposed to be neutral. I can't be. You know, it's not fair to Flair. I mean, I loved it. Like I love the part where like Flair's about to get eliminated and Roddy Piper saves him. And he's like, Thank you, Piper. I can't believe I'm gonna say it's a kilt. It's not a skirt. It's a kilt. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then Piper turns and smacks Flair. And he's like, 'Oh, like, Oh, you skirt wearing freak, why would you do that? Like I just you know, I, I, I loved it. It was phenomenal, and so Royal Rumble '92 was, was like one of my all-time favorite Royal Rumbles. Mostly a lot because Ric Flair wins, uh, but a lot of it is the, is, is the uh, Bobby Heenan commentary, and we'll talk about that more in a little bit because I know you want to talk about that pay-per-view.
0: Yeah, I, Flair on that. remind me to talk a little bit about Flair on that pay-per-view because you know, oh, like yeah. I don't, I don't hate Flair, yeah. but I'm not a big Flair fan. Right. But uh, I think I might need to go back and do some watching
1: gotta watch some old flair stuff dude and of course i can tell you what to watch because i love the nature boy so yeah um but uh it's it's sad that we lost heenan and i don't know if many people realize this but we uh, we have lost a lot of wrestlers this year and we took a big hit at the beginning of the year and the fact of the matter is uh, back in like february i decided after we had so many wrestlers that died straight away. I mean, you know, we had the lesser known, like Timothy Well died in January. He was one half of well done. But then in January, we had Superfly Jimmy Snuka, you know, and then we had Gorilla, Ma- uh, uh, George the Animal Steel, Chava Guerrero Sr., Nicole Bass to a lesser extent. Ivan Koloff. I mean in February alone we had so many like legends of wrestling pass away. I decided, all right, I'm going to start keeping track and I'm going to write a blog to come out in early 2018 basically. It's just wrestlers who died in 2017. I cannot believe how many names I have on this list. It's surprising, you know, from wrestlers you hadn't heard about in years, like outlaw Ron Bass passed away. Or Dennis Stamp, who got repopularized after the, the documentary Beyond the Mat. And then we had some, you know, a, f- a few Mexican legends pass away in Fishman and Al Kinect. And uh, then you had, like, Rosie passed away, you know, the old uh, Matthew Onaway. Rosie from, <laughs> two, you know, and, and just just so many. You know, some independent stars you probably never heard of. Guys like, and then other guys like uh, Pretty Boy Doug Summers, who was Phenomenal wrestler, but mostly just known for his AWA tag team run with with Playboy Buddy Rose and their match with the, the Rockers. And, you know, all the way up now to Bobby the Brain he who passed away September 17th. Like, I don't think I'd realize that how many people, how many wrestlers, big names, small names, whatever, we lost this year without keeping track on this list. And by the way, I said Al Kineck, and I did not mean that name. I meant Grand Apache. So, but anyways... I I don't know. Just throwing that out there, I guess.
0: So one of my first uh, strong Bobby Heenan memories was uh, in the early days of Monday Night Raw, which I guess looking back, because I watched uh, Raw from the beginning up to a certain point on. He was the,
1: only on the first couple episodes.
0: Was it only the first couple episodes? I yeah, thought it was he, that uh, he
1: went to WCW really quick. He was really only on the first like few episodes. I thought.
0: Oh, well, I must've, it must have been then. Uh, who was that obnoxious guy that they had on that was terrible? Rob Bartlett or some yeah, he something like He was only
1: that? on the first episode, I think, and he was horrible.
0: Uh, I, I think it was more than the first episode, and I was kind of surprised by that because, I like I said, I went back and watched from the first episode. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, they had the whole monsoon ousting Bobby Heenan pretty early. Um,
1: yeah, I thought it was pretty quick right off – no, he, because uh, Monday Night Raw started in January of '93, right? Yes. So, okay, he didn't leave the federation until December '93. So, I'm I'm sorry. It was the it was like yeah, December '93 is when he got kicked out of the WWE.
0: I think uh, what happened is he so, uh, so he, you know what I'm talking about though when Monsoon throws him out.
1: Yes, yes. Was
0: that when he left WWE or was yes. that before? Okay,
1: that's when he left, and that was uh that was right here i found it december 6 1993
0: that was a great bit too i mean what what a what a guy to put over the place you're leaving like that you know um to to allow yourself to leave on such a ridiculous note that just you know i mean that's what he what made him so great is he did what was the best thing for entertainment but anyways he he had a bit on raw where he's interviewing a couple that either just got married or was about to get married (sighs) and he had the tissue and he has uh The the wife hold the tissue, and he screws up the guy's name. I forget what his last name was, but he calls him Todd Kabobaboom. Yeah. And, uh, oh, man, that whole bit was just great. And it was just so Bobby Keenan. That's one of the things I remember the best. I had watched wrestling before that.
1: Yep.
0: But it was – that was when I was really starting to get an understanding overall of what was going on Um, instead of just, like, kind of continually randomly coming across stuff. That's when, like, it was coming together, and that's when – I remember, like, watching wrestling on a regular basis. Uh, Yeah, Heenan was just always so great. Um, Going back and watching – that's what was great about the time I started watching is as I went backwards and watched, I had – you know, I mean, Bobby Heenan was involved in everything, and he was one of those guys that just, like, made everything – he was a constant thread through everything, and he was so good, and he made those around him good.
1: There were so many of those early pay-per-view shows where Bobby Heenan would be managing, like, they'd be – 10 matches on the card and he's out there for 5 or 6 of them managing guys or he's out there for a couple of the matches but he's doing commentary the whole time except when he's managing and yeah you're right I mean he was all over those shows um, speaking of a Bobby Heenanism or whatever I remember an old episode of Primetime Wrestling where they were like interviewing the audience for some reason and and like Vince McMahon was like oh we have a couple celebrating their 20th wedding anniversary and Bobby Heenan says to the guy "He was like Wait a second, so you've been married to her 20 years ago, you married her 20 years ago today, huh? And the guy goes, yeah, and he goes, and I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember exactly, he goes, huh. You do realize if you would have murdered her on your honeymoon, you'd be getting out of prison now rather than being stuck in it for the rest of your life. And it was so inappropriate, but so funny. <laughs> yeah, it was just, you know, it was, it was a Bobby the Heenanism. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, yeah. I met him um, back in 2012. Uh, I went to... Uh, my buddy Jay and I went down to New Jersey to a Pro Wrestling Syndicate's 5th Anniversary event because want, I wanted to see the Great Muda. So we went down to meet the Great Muda and sat front and row for the show and everything. And then the very next day, about a half hour away, in Rawway, New Jersey, they had Legends of the Ring, which is a wrestling, a one-day wrestling convention. And uh, we went, and my buddy Jay... We went there and Bobby Heenan was there doing um, signing. And I I wanted to get a couple of trading cards signed by Heenan. I had a WWF one, and then I had a WCW one that had him and Larry Zabisco on it. And I'd actually gotten Larry Zabisco to sign it a couple months before when he was at, of all places, an independent show in Gray, Maine. And um, to me, it was really sad because he, because of the cancer. And because of having, like, a part of his, you know, he had that tongue cancer and he had a part of his, his like, kind of, like, jaw removed and this and that, he couldn't talk anymore, you know? And he didn't he didn't look like Bobby Heenan. And I had him sign my cards, but I didn't do a picture with him. Jay did. He was so excited. And I'm happy for him. Um, And, you know, he seemed in great spirits. And he was, like, wicked nice. And he didn't say anything, but, he like, you know, he'd, like, give you a thumbs up or nod or... You know what I mean? His eyes would light up while you were talking, whatever. So like he, you know, he was acknowledging what you were saying and everything like that. But it was just like I can't talk to him. You know what I mean? Like he couldn't couldn't talk. It was, I don't know. It just it's
0: it's hard to see stuff like that. It's like you know going to visit an elderly relative that's you know living in an assisted care facility. It's tough to see that stuff.
1: It is, and, and it's just – it has a lot to do with the fact that Bobby Heenan is, was so well-known for his – for talking, for his quick wit, for his – you know what I mean? Like, he was so well-known for that. It was just – yeah. It was a little tough. But anyhow, Survivor Series 1991. You say you'd want to talk about it. So I <laughs> – I
0: one thing I've been doing lately is uh, when I just need to unwind, either I stay up later than everybody so I can just have some time to mentally let go. Yep. Um, or in this case, I had actually I was uh, I had to be up at four for work, and yep. I got woken up early, and due to the nature of uh, how I got woken up, I wasn't gonna be able to just fall back asleep. So I just said screw it. I got up, I got dressed. I had like an hour still before I had to leave for work or anything. So I was like, well, I'll just I'll put on wrestling. I'll set my alarm, and if I doze off, I doze off, you know. Mm-hmm. So I put on that Survivor Series, and the first match is uh, you know a, a elimination match, and you have Bret Hart, Roddy Piper, uh, the British Bulldog, and Virgil on one side against Million Dollar Man, Ric Flair, uh, the Warlord. And Mountie. the Mountie. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I I think the only elimination I saw was the Bulldog getting eliminated. I might have seen the Warlord getting eliminated before I dozed off. Then I had this crazy dream about the rest of the match. Like, just totally not what happened at all. Just, like, dreamt it. And uh, when... When the – so the, the 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 face team won, and when they won, all four guys were out there, and they all got presented with championship belts that were designed like in their character but also ridiculously not in their character. Yeah. So like for example, Bret Hart's belt had like you know the pink and black kind of stuff, but the design was like nothing that had to do with him. Hmm. Um, and they all went up to the different four corners of the ring and went up and they raised their belt. So then I woke up and I was like, what the hell just happened? And so I go back and uh, and watch the end of the match, and that was certainly not how the match ended. I think I actually finished watching it like uh, on a later day because I had to get ready yeah. or I had to leave for work when I woke up. But um,
1: well, it's funny because your comment about the match, maybe go back and watch it. And I was just like, first of all, I remember Ric Flair being the sole survivor. I didn't remember, you know, more than half. He-
0: is was the worst ending to a Survivor Series. It was season.
1: horrible. Yeah, yeah. Like
0: that was the stu- It's like having a Royal Rumble where you have like twenty guys in the ring, and then all of a sudden, nineteen of them just jump out the ring for no reason. That's pretty much what it felt like.
1: Yeah, like you had. All right, the Bulldog got eliminated when when Flair pinned him, and like eleven minutes according to this. And then Roddy Piper pinned the Warlord after seventeen minutes, and then like five and a half minutes later, whatever. DiBiase, the Mountie, Roddy Piper, Bret Hart, and Virgil all got disqualified while brawling inside the ring. Like five people got disqualified in one fell suit, making Ric Flair the sole survivor.
0: Yeah, because it, you know the funny thing is it you was look a at it because the first thing. minute I noticed,
1: match. That's how it ended. Like that's how a yeah. four minute match ends. You know.
0: And the ridiculous thing, like, is the I I when I started watching it at that point because I was trying to figure out where the heck I left off. Bret Hart is in the corner getting attacked by three guys and uh, the mounty is like dragging him from the outside of the ring. So Bret Hart is just like getting mauled. So like he had no reason to be disqualified because he was getting yeah. you know, like he had no choice. Like he couldn't go back to his corner or anything. He was getting attacked. And let alone like attacked, he was getting like, you know, cheap shot attacked all over the place. Yeah. But they they disqualified him along with the three guys attack or but I guess what the hell? Like Flair was attacking him too. Why the hell wasn't Flair disqualified? Like Flair was literally over there attacking him too. I don't know what I the hell know. the other guy. Maybe, I, no, it was all over he, the place, but it was he ridiculous. Wasn't. The referee's like, I'm disqualifying everybody but Flair because Flair walked away like one second before I decided this.
1: Yeah.
0: It was ridiculous. It was just like, okay, we're gonna have Flair win his match, but we don't want him to actually beat anybody except Bulldog. That's okay.
1: Yeah. And he beats him with a double axe handle off the top rope. Instead of, you know, uh, anything else.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Is there anything else about the show you want to talk about?
0: Uh, I I didn't really watch that much else of the show. I I started watching the match after that, which I thought it was funny. This opening match is so full of talent.
1: Oh, God, yeah. Um,
0: Even even the smaller talents, like, have a lot to say for themselves. Like, you know, Bulldog may not be the most talented wrestler, but... He's been in some he's great still matches. The British Bulldog, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's a huge, he's an icon in wrestling, yeah. you know? Um, You know, the Mountie may have been kind of a, a silly character, but, like, that guy was around forever, you know? I mean, he was part of the Rougeaus, and then he went on hey. to do that.
1: Hey, don't forget, in 1997, the Mountie pinned Hulk Hogan.
0: Yeah, I, I saw that in a blog recently. And that then was he my was blog. Uh, part We can of talk the about it. It
1: was my blog.
0: I know. I figured you'd pump yourself up the there. The
1: Wrestling Insomniac. <laughs> Plug myself, not pump myself. Thank you. Yeah, The Wrestling Insomniac, my latest blog post is about uh, the time Jacques Rougeau pinned Hulk Hogan. And then also, most recently, talking about guys who wrestled at ECW that you may not have known.
0: That was actually your first blog post I ever looked at.
1: I know, you're my cousin. Legitimate family. My marriage, but who cares? Legitimate family. And that's the first blog post of 277 i fucking posted. That's the first one you've read. Hurts yeah, my feelings, Paul.
0: I talk to you too much. Hurts my feelings. Why do I need to read what you tell me?
1: Because I don't, I don't always verbally tell you what I've written about, Paul.
0: You tell me everything. <sighs> you've literally told me everything there is to say about wrestling.
1: Oh, no, I haven't. I've, <laughs> I've told you a lot about wrestling. I don't. Not everything there is to uh, say.
0: You want to hear something funny? Of course. Uh, Aaron didn't think I knew who uh, John Laurinaitis was.
1: Oh, what? He was he was
0: explaining John Laurinaitis to me because he he uh you know he mimicked the the way that they mimic him on uh on uh the Pritchard show.
1: Oh God, yeah, uh, yeah.
0: And then he's like uh he's like oh yeah they they do impressions of him a lot on the Pritchard show, and I'm like I know who he is like. Well,
1: were you guys were you guys recording a podcast?
0: No, no, this was just messaging, but oh, uh. Oh. Yeah, I just thought yeah. it was pretty funny. Like he,
1: hey Vince, have, your arms look really big. Yeah. <laughs> Richard Show, uh, sometimes his impersonations drive me nuts because they're too much, and then other times I absolutely love them.
0: Yeah, so. they take it over the top sometimes, but you yes, can't. You do. could. You couldn't get out all the things that they do if yeah. you didn't allow it to go off the rail sometimes. So.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: You got to just run with it, but. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, I I just thought that that was funny seeing as, like, when I got back into wrestling, it was – I think that that was right when he was – a. I mean, it was a little bit before, but, like, it wasn't long after that he was a major part of the angle of everything for quite a while. Uh, But, I mean, how would Aaron know that, I guess? It's not like uh, Aaron and I have talked current wrestling very much. Very true. It's – I mean, except for, like, current current, but not, like, the last few years. It's like I didn't know that Ronnie uh, didn't give a shit about Daniel Bryan.
1: Yeah, it seems wrong, like, right?
0: That's okay. Yeah, he, you know, if if you uh, can be a loud ass on the mic, Ronnie loves you. But uh, if you can wrestle really well,
1: eh. <laughs> <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, so but we chatted about Survivor Series because you were asking me like, because you actually watched Royal Rumble '92 first and you asked how the title got held up, and I told you about Survivor Series '91.
0: That's why I happened. went back, and that's watch. why I went
1: back and watched. All right, okay, cool. Yeah. Did you watch this Tuesday in Texas?
0: Uh, no, I did not watch watch that yet. But um, I I in the past I knew all that stuff, so I kind of had like I remembered this Tuesday in Texas. I just couldn't remember all the details. Yeah. Plus, I knew like one thing that's nice about talking to somebody who watched it when it was happening is you get the details you can't get from looking stuff up yeah. or from watching pay per views. That in between stuff, like what was it like having Flair? come in like what what did it feel like as a fan like what was the sense around it that kind of stuff so i was able to get that kind of context
1: well like for me if you want to know my part of it for me like watching the show uh i remember like i watched uh wcw nwa jim carter promotions whatever I watched, I watched everything wrestling when i was a kid that i could find but you know obviously i watched saturday uh, w, uh wcw saturday night every week and main event worldwide i watched Raw, I Prime Primetime Wrestling, that, that is, Superstars of Wrestling. I did not get Wrestling Challenge in my area, but I did get All-American Wrestling and, and then later uh, The Action Zone and all those shows and whatnot. So when Ric Flair's uh, – sorry, when Bobby the Brain Heenan uh, on Primetime Wrestling, like came when they came back and there's Heenan standing there and he's holding what I know to be the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship in his hands, I was like – holy shit, like, this is, this is, this is big. This is huge. This isn't right. Like, that belt doesn't belong on this TV. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's going to be pretty shocking.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was 12 at the time, and I just knew, like, that belt doesn't belong on this TV. I know, I read Pro Wrestling Illustrated. That's, you know, the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship, and we always talk about fantasy matches, but that belt doesn't belong on this TV. This is crazy. And, um, it was just it was huge. And then when he actually said Ric Flair's name at the end of the promo, it was like, Oh my god And then the weeks leading up to it you had Bobby Heenan talking to a figure behind a door that said Hulk Hogan on it. So he's allegedly talking to Hogan and Hogan slams the door in his face. And then finally when Ric Flair makes his debut, you know, it's on Primetime Wrestling. And he comes out and he's got the robe and he cuts a promo and it was awesome. But the promo that did it for me is on the Brother Love Show. When Hogan's a guest on the Brother Love show and Flair comes out, and I just remember it like Flair coming out. He's got Heenan with him. Heenan's holding the belt. Hogan's got, you know, he was uh, grumbling and grumbling. You know, he's he's all grumbling. And when Ric Flair says he, he he goes, Hogan, ah, big man, I've been waiting years to talk to you, and it was just like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he just cut this wicked promo on Hogan and about being he how he's the real world's champion and what he's got and what Hogan's got strapped around his waist is a, like like a tinker toy, basically. And on and on and on. I mean, it was awesome. And then we never got the match.
0: I can't believe they would have all that opportunity right in front of them. And they just how how do you not get a match out of that? How do you not get that done?
1: Well, they kind of did have a match in respect to um, house shows. They wrestled on house shows. Nothing was televised. Years later, like, I I caught, like, uh, they had released them somehow, like, maybe it was on the MSG network type of thing. But, like, we never got a pay-per-view match out of it. And right there, especially after Rarewim 92, staring right in front of you or staring right in your face, you have what should be, you know, a pay-per-view match. Of Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania. That should
0: have been the WrestleMania main event, yeah. And, what was and, the WrestleMania main event that year?
1: Hulk Hogan versus Sid. And earlier in the card... For nothing? Yeah, exactly. And earlier in the card, Ric Flair wrestled Randy Savage for the belt. So, yeah. See,
0: so that was probably a good match. It,
1: it, was, it was... You know what? Actually, it was okay. It was okay. Um... But anyhow, yeah, so <clears throat> I just knew when when Flair came in the WWE, it was just it was a big thing, especially seeing how he brought that belt with him. It was an awesome experience for me as a kid, as a fan. Uh, it was the first time I felt like I was watching something going, "Whoa, this shouldn't be happening." You
0: know. Mm-hmm.
1: So. So what, uh, what inspired you to watch uh, Rumble 92?
0: I uh, just looking for something to watch and typically the things all uh I'll get drawn to our you know it used to like some of my favorite things used to be the Royal Rumbles and the Survivor Series matches because they I I mean first of all back then gimmicks weren't overdone gimmick matches you know it's like matches were typically just straight matches you had regular matches you had tag team matches sometimes you had six man tag team matches I always thought six man tag team matches were kind of boring back in the day too many people but uh, yeah so Survivor Series matches they don't do it for me as much anymore because now watching, I can see how like they are just as shitty gimmicky as a lot of the stuff they do nowadays. With how they, I mean, we just talked about you know, in '92 that yeah. match where they have so much great talent and you never see anything very good in that match, and then you have this stupid ending to the match, and you had so much potential in that match, you know. Um, so Royal Rumbles are ones where it's just it's just fun. Like you can't not enjoy watching a Royal Rumble. Um, unless it's a couple of the ones in the last few years. But uh, that's another story, even though they're still kind of fun.
1: See, (laughs) for me, um, I I still like the Survivor Series. Yes, I know they have at least one match where it's just completely stupid and the booking doesn't make any sense. Um, But at the same time, they have uh, some other matches that are just pretty phenomenal or really, really good. And I, I honestly... With the number of pay-per-views we have nowadays this year and everything else, I I think they should go back uh, to the Survivor Series being teams of five will survive and doing just five on five the whole card. They could
0: extend storylines that that.
1: way. Yeah, they could extend storylines that way. It'll make the pay-per-view different and special compared to everything else. Because realistically, like we have no mercy coming up this Sunday. And we have Survivor Series. And legitimately, other than the name, the shows are interchangeable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, as that's, far that's been as a big like, part
0: of the problem is, I mean, the shows are interchangeable with, like, just yeah. freaking episodes of Raw if you cut out all the the promo time. Yep.
1: Yeah. Like, I and actually legitimately hate the fact that uh, we have a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Because that match should just happen because it's happened because it's a culmination of a feud. It shouldn't happen because we have a pay-per-view named by it, and uh, so we gotta find the match. a way to fill it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like the TLC pay-per-view, just like. Well money in the bank's different. That one's okay because it's like the Royal Rumble where that's the feature match is the money yeah, in the I bank match. I agree with
0: match. that. TLC but, I'm sort of okay with because it's basically a card where they're saying this is these are all going to be stipulation matches.
1: Well, but no, see that's the thing though. You can't you shouldn't just have a show with like TLC and Extreme Rules are basically the same type of pay-per-view. It's a card full of matches that have stipulations. However, a good feud culminates to a match where they go we're going to settle this in a TLC match and not just because oh hey it's you know it's december cuz that's when it historically was i don't i think they moved it but hey it's december it's time to have the TLC pay-per-view so who's going to be in the TLC match
0: you know yeah, that's I mean? the problem with 12 pay-per-views a month. And I mean if they were doing some, if they were doing it to make it good yeah. quality wrestling for the fans that want to watch good quality wrestling, yeah. then it would be – I mean it would be a little bit more like it was back in the day where you had the major pay-per-views. You had in your house mm-hmm. in, in the month in between that were yep. two hours yep. long at that time, and you typically saw more of – You may see, you know, people in the same realm of the feuds that were going on, but, you know, like, I mean, Shawn Michaels wrestled some guys you wouldn't see him wrestle when he was champion.
1: His match with Mankind was phenomenal. And I I don't think that's what they should
0: do, is they should have championship defenses against guys that you wouldn't see normally built up for the big pay-per-views. And then the other ones, you know, I mean, basically kind of what they're doing. Well, the problem with what they're doing now is, like, how many times have we did we see Bray Wyatt and uh, Randy Orton wrestle in stupid ass matches? Yep. And over the course of, of several pay per views, they could have had them in different. I mean, still kind of program them together, but have you know tag team matches or six man matches. I mean, they kind of do that stuff sometimes, but they also do the stuff where they, it's just like lazy programming. Let's just have them do the same thing, but throw weird shit in there, and it gets really old. So that's. There, there's a lot that I think they could go back to, to basics with, um, and make stuff better than it is. But ultimately, the reason it is what it is right now is because, you know, the people that are spending money want to see the people they want to see, you know, and so they just keep on throwing those people out there. I mean, you st- it doesn't matter how how old, you know, Cena and Orton and a bunch of other guys get, mm-hmm. man. Orton comes out there after doing not a damn thing against a guy who is hot. He hits uh, an RKO and everybody pops for Orton. Yep, that's just how it is, and that's yeah. you know, it's too bad when you want to like actually see stuff be interesting and different and compelling. But
1: I just I kind of wish like okay when you have. Wrestlemania, it's Wrestlemania. We have SummerSlam, it's SummerSlam. You know, it's just those are two big shows in the year. Royal Rumble, obviously the Royal Rumble match is going to happen. I agree with that. Um, Elimination Chamber. Now, that's a pay-per-view where it's a match where, like, unlike Hell in a Cell where they go, Oh, who are we going to put in the Hell in the Cell? Let's just, we'll plug these two people in it. No, that a few supposed to culminate to a hell in a cell not just happen because the pay-per-view comes around but Elimination Chamber that's different to me because that's you know that's like a Royal Rumble like uh, a Money in the Bank you know what I mean that's a special type of match and the winner oops didn't know my sound was on sorry uh, <laughs> but that, the winner of that gets a title shot or whatever you know what I mean so that, that I'm okay with a pay-per-view like that but TLC, Extreme Rules, Hell in the Cell, I hate them. What they need to bring back? King of the Ring.
0: Yeah, so I agree with that.
1: If you're going to have 15 pay per views in a year, one of them should be King of the Ring and have it be an eight man tournament, if that's what you want. Four guys from Raw, four guys from SmackDown. Now you're going to see some matches you may not see otherwise because the guys are from two different brands, you know? Mm -hmm. And also you can have qualifying matches for the King of the Ring, either at the pay- other the, the other pay-per-views, you know, the Raw and SmackDown only pay-per-views or on Raw and SmackDown themselves. So that's how you can kind of build it more. And now they've earned the right in, into the King of the Ring and just yep. have the only thing on the show is the King of the Ring tournament. So even if it's just a two hour pay-per-view, that's an eight man tournament, you're looking at seven matches on that card. And maybe in between the rounds, you could have like a tag team match or something. You know what I mean? To, like space it out. Like have you could have the first two rounds have a tag team match, and then. Well, you back have in the day, this. they would
0: have the tournament, and they would usually have a uh, the championship match, and then maybe yeah. like one or two other matches. Like I, you know, maybe an Intercontinental Championship match. Obviously, yeah. they have too many titles. You don't want them getting on there defending all the titles.
1: Exactly. But, but you uh, could have you could have other matches.
0: The smaller titles, you know. I mean, you, you, if you don't want to put one champion over the other in an yeah. inter uh you know an inter whatever the hell pay-per-view promotional match promotional that's what i'm looking for um then have the tournament and have the US championship featured and have the IC championship featured yep build those up make them the you know like kind of the the co-main event with the the final of the tournament yeah. you know the final of the tournament and, and the, is the, the, the winner main of the
1: tournament event. gets a title shot on the two the respective brand of show that they're on. So if they're SmackDown, Russell, you know, they get a WWE title shot. If they're a raw Russell, they get a universal title shot, but you know, bring back King of the ring, you know, like that, that would be, I would enjoy that. I would enjoy if they did something like that, you know, uh, and
0: you can make it the reverse of Money in the Bank where the champion gets screwed and have it – they win the title shot, but then the champion comes running out right then and stomps the shit out of him.
1: I just, Imagine me, that.
0: You win the King of the Ring and Brock Lesnar comes out to defend his title against you right then.
1: Oh, jeez, I'm probably, yeah. <laughs> That would, that would be a TNA concept, though. You know what I mean? Instead of having where the challenger gets to cash whenever he wants. No, no. The champion gets to cash in, and the guy has to face him in his title match. This is your title opportunity, you know. In
0: six hexagonal rings, side by yeah. side. You have to get a pinfall on every ring.
1: I mean, you know, TNA, home of the reverse battle royal, where, you know, you have to be thrown in the ring to be eliminated. Oh, uh, shit. Speaking of uh, returns, did you see that WWE is bringing Starcade back?
0: I did. And see, that's one thing I think that they should do more of is is just bring back the the names of the old WCW pay-per-views.
1: Well, as long as they're doing it right. Like they brought back the Great American Bash, and they did that in the summer for a few years, and now that has since gone away. And they've brought out – they haven't brought – instead of calling it Night of Champions, it's called Clash of Champions.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: Tina and nwa had clash of the champions is like their um it's kind of like their version of saturday night's main event it was their live special on tbs three four times a year but it was in prime time unlike saturday night's main event which was on at eleven thirty at night you know what i mean and mm-hmm. clash of the champions was live as opposed to uh, saturday night live which was i mean saturday night's main event which was pre-taped um but this is not a pay-per-view it's right now. It's a house show, and I don't know if it's gonna be broadcast on the WWE Network or not. And that kind of pisses me off, because it's like you're, they're bringing back Starcade, the first ever wrestling supercard that was featured on um, uh, uh, closed circuit television and everything, and and is kind of considered the first pay per view. Is Starcade? It was before WrestleMania. The first actual pay-per-view by the way was the Wrestling Classic, which was a tournament that WWF did to, you know, try out pay-per-view and how it would work. Uh, WrestleMania 2 was their first pay-per-view that they did, the first WrestleMania that was on pay-per-view. Starrcade 87 was the very first NWA pay-per-view, actually. That was on, otherwise they were just closed circuit television. Just a little history lesson for you. Sorry. Uh Anyway, so Starcade is going to be back at the Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina, which is the home where it belongs. November the twenty-fifth, two thousand seventeen. It's a Saturday night. It's a SmackDown brand house show, but that's all it is right now. Is a house show. They haven't announced if they're going to have it on the network, and I hope it's on the network.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: Um, they, have,
0: they have so much stuff that they could do like that. That yeah. would be, you know. When, when you when you own so much, is like, why not formulate in? – you're adding so much programming. Why not formulate some stuff that is going to be more appeasing to the fans that have been watching forever? And, you know, yep. I mean, how much have they over the years, like, brought in these, you know, old-time wrestlers that can hardly do anything anymore, but they bring them in to just show yeah. them off and get them involved in stuff? You know, why not take the format and the names of some of these old pay-per-views and do it right and yep. – do it with some of the smaller guys that aren't getting and, show anywhere else.
1: And, and, you know, honestly, you know, they're doing it right after Thanksgiving. Starcade historically started on Thanksgiving. That's why the Survivor Series was created, by the way, it has to be direct competition with Starcade. And then after Starcade 87, they moved Starcade to December, but they're bringing it back in November. Again, it's a Saturday night. They've already announced the card. You know, you got Brizango against Aiden English and Mike Kanellis in a tag match. You got Bobby Roode against Dolph Ziggler. Sami Zayn against Kevin Owens. The New Day against The Usos. AJ Styles versus Barry Corbin. Baron Corbin versus Rusev, advertised as a U.S. title match. Natalia versus Charlotte Flair in a steel cage for the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship. And Jinder Mahal versus Shinsuke Nakamura in a steel cage for the WWE Championship. It's a good card. Like... I don't know what the next SmackDown pay-per-view is. I can't think of it off the top of my head. This seems like a better show. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, the next uh, the next SmackDown pay-per-view is, is Hell in a Cell. And all they've announced so far is Jinder Mahal against Shinsuke Nakamura in a singles match, Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens in Hell in a Cell, the New Days against the Usos, and Natalia versus Charlotte Flair. <laughs> you know, and this is going to be in Detroit, Michigan on October 8th, you know, a whole almost two months before the the Starcade event. I mean, we still have like after that pay-per-view, we still have TLC, which is a raw only pay-per-view. And uh, excuse me. Yeah, it's a raw only pay-per-view. And it's this is going to be in um, October 22nd. And then we have Survivor Series, and then now the Starcade event, and the next pay per view after Survivor Series, I'm aware, of, I think, I believe, is Clash of Champions. So, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Anyhow, might as well talk about No Mercy while we're on the subject. How's that? How'd that be?
0: Now that we're all depressed, let's talk about No Mercy.
1: Well, I'm not depressed per se.
0: Because it's having no mercy on us, that's for sure.
1: So anywho, uh here we go. Um The Miz defending the Intercontinental Championship against Jason Jordan. Aaron wrote Jordan over the Miz, Miz is the best thing happening on Raw, but they're pushing Jordan with the angle storyline, so I don't see him so I I see him getting a taste of the gold. I uh, I'm hoping the Miz retains, but I I feel like he's right. Jason Jordan's going to win on this one.
0: How did they make me not care about Jason Jordan? I really liked Jason Jordan.
1: Because they broke up American Alpha and then made him Kurt Angle's illegitimate son, and there you go.
0: Yeah, you remember when American Alpha was awesome and they beat uh, they beat the Revival for the championship?
1: And that the, the series of matches that American Alpha had with the Revival were phenomenal, yes. Yeah.
0: The ending of that match was great where uh, Jason Jordan gets tagged in, and instead of just jumping in the ring, he jumps off the ring goes around to the other side and comes in from behind the guy because he didn't see the tag. Yep. So they, they outmaneuvered the they heel. Out-maneuvered. Yes, out-
1: absolutely. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right, sir. That was awesome. Um, yeah, I,
0: I don't know what to think about this match. They have Miz win matches he shouldn't win. They have him yeah. lose matches he should win. It it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I guess with, uh, I mean, logically the way they've been – You know, and really, I think that this is a good example of where it's kind of lame that they make us have to think so logically about who we think is going to win. Yep. Instead of just getting into the storyline. This is a good example of how uh, it takes the fun out of it, in a way. When we're like, well, logically, you know, we're explaining why we don't care, basically.
1: (laughs) Uh, Alexa Bliss defends her Raw Women's Championship at a fatal five way against Sasha Banks, Bailey, Nia Jackson, Emma. Aaron says, somehow Alexa Bliss retains the woman's title. Um, Yeah, I, I see Bliss retaining the title as well.
0: You know why they do this match? So they could uh, have Nia Jax lose without making her look beatable, yep. even though she can't wrestle, and they don't want her to beat anybody because they don't want her to actually hold the title.
1: Yep. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that one. I,
0: I can't. If they wanted to move the the title to somebody else, I don't think they would do it in a a big match like this. I mean, Alexa Bliss has lost the title to other people, and it's always been in, you know, just one on one matches. And I believe it has. Um, but she's won the title many times by surviving those clusterfuck matches, which is exactly what this is.
1: Uh, Neville defends the Cruiserweight Championship against Enzo More. I, I cannot tell you how little I care about Enzo More. I really, I can't. Um, I feel like Neville's going to win. Aaron has that Neville's going to win because Enzo can't wrestle, so.
0: Do you know uh, what my first memory of NXT was? What? You showing me Enzo and Cass coming out. In that one pay-per-view where they got the biggest pop.
1: It actually wasn't even a pay-per-view. It was the first NXT Brooklyn TakeOver special they did. They taped some matches for that Wednesday's episode of NXT, and that's what that was. This was just a weekly episode of NXT, and matches were taped before TakeOver. Oh, okay. That is still one of the biggest pops I've heard in a long time. When their music kicked on, that place went friggin' nuts. At that time, Enzo wasn't as annoying as he is now, and him and Cass were over huge, but Enzo on his own, you know, like, one of the big things that Cass said is, you know, Enzo, you talk too much, and he does, yeah.
0: Yeah, they honestly they gave him way too much mic time when they put him up in the main roster. He was entertaining, yeah. but you cannot give him that much time.
1: And that's it's just the thing. like on NXT. It was like he got just enough mic time, and then they yep. take it away. You
0: got a limited. Oh my god, they would let him talk and talk and talk, yeah. and everything he did just got obnoxious when he got too much time for it. Yep. But uh, yeah, it's just like uh, like Deadpool or like old dirty bastard. they they're good in small doses. Yep. But they got to be the, the flavor and the bigger thing, not, you know, it's like you don't eat a bowl of ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I don't. The, the way they've put Neville over, too, like I can't see them having him go in and, uh, and lose to, to Enzo. Like they've really been putting Neville over. And I got to say, as far as uh, the 205 Live guys, like Neville, when he came back and was vicious, like he impresses me. Yep. So I mean I don't mind. The only the only time that I wanted to see Neville lose it really was uh, with uh, uh, Austin Aries.
1: Me too. Me instead too. Instead Neville
0: yeah. uh, Neville broke him and ended his WWE career basically because he could never kind of get over that injury he got.
1: Yeah, and then it have... wasn't Neville
0: though. That was actually the injury he got from uh, Shinsuke, wasn't it?
1: Yes, I believe so. Yeah. yeah.
0: That was too bad. I mean, he got injured by, by Shinsuke, and then just, like, that injury just... I mean, it just goes to show that, like, the the workload that they have to do can be too much. You know, he should have been off and healing instead of staying in the midst of stuff, but...
1: Well, it has a lot to do with the... didn't want to lose my spot.
0: Exactly, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? It's, it's the way it is. Like, even if they would have uh, made him take the time off to heal... You know, yep. his his character would have cooled.
1: Um, yeah, probably. I mean, because Austin Aries and Neville had some really great matches, you know, for the belt, and more than once I thought Austin Aries was gonna was gonna get the win. Hmm. Um, but he didn't, and essentially, you know, Aries like <laughs> he hasn't had a match since he left uh, WWE, which was in July. Hmm. Like, his last match was July 1st in a triple threat match in Tokyo with uh, Kira Zawa and Neville, and he hasn't had a match since then. Like, I thought for sure, like, when he left, like, all right, we're going to see him on the Indies somewhere because his stock is up a little bit, but no, nothing. Maybe he's
0: really healing up.
1: Oh, maybe. I mean, you know, from 2016 to 2017, he did have that five months off. After the match, or was it the tag match? Him and Austin Aries against No Way, Jose, and Shinsuke at NXT. You know, and that's where he got that injury. And, you know, five months later, he did some TV stuff. And then five months later, you know, he comes back on, you know, as on 205 Live. And, yeah, so... But, anyhow, I, I feel like Neville's going to retain the belt in this match as well.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, Finn Balor against Bray Wyatt. And this is part of the booking where I don't understand, where things have to build to something it started with balor being the demon against bray wyatt and winning and and winning the match and like at that point it should be over but no no the feud's continuing and now he's just wrestling as finn balor and it's like well who gives a shit should they've had the match with him as finn balor first and then have a match with him as the demon but whatever um aaron's got that bray wyatt's gonna beat balor because balor won the feud at the last pay-per-view and somehow it's still going on and uh yeah, I'm going to agree with that or unless uh, unless Dustin Rhodes causes a uh, co- interferes and causes Wyatt to lose. Or more likely Dustin Rhodes will interfere. So Gold
0: is Wyatt. now just Dustin Rhodes?
1: Well, okay, a couple weeks ago on Raw, Bray Wyatt and ha- and uh, Gold had a match and they used Gold Dust as symbolism for Finn Bálor showing that, you know, it's just paint, you're still the same man underneath. Basically by saying, you know, the demon isn't anything more than what Finn Balor is type of thing mm-hmm. to downplay that, you know, the, the demon is just Finn Balor with paint on and acting funny. So storyline wise, Bray Wyatt wiped the paint off Goldust's face to reveal that the man underneath was still just this was that underneath it was just a man and he was the same man he was and blah, 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 whatever. And he beat Goldust, and then the next week on Raw, this past week, uh, Goldust has a, had a you know Bray Wyatt and Goldust had a return match, but he came out without any face paint on, but he had his Goldust gear on, and uh, the commentators were referring to him as Dustin, and talking about Dustin Rhodes and how in WCW he was the natural and this and that. So I'm wondering if they're leading an angle towards that he's gonna become. You know, like the natural Dustin Rhodes again in, WC, in WWE though, and mm-hmm. not not wrestling as Gold Dust anymore. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, but there's a part of it that feels like you know, I could totally see Dustin Rhodes coming out as Dustin Rhodes, but now he's a member of the Wyatt family for whatever reason because they don't they do stupid shit like that.
0: Yeah, this is you know. I- I, I really like Bray Wyatt. I really like uh, Finn Balor. Yeah. And how do they make me get to the point where I don't care about them having a match together?
1: Yeah, it's a good, good question.
0: That's, this whole pay per view just feels like that to me. Like, yeah. and before before the last like six months, I would have said, you know what, it doesn't matter because they're having a match together and they're going to put on a good match. Yep. Yeah. But the one thing I've learned over the six months is you can't trust that anymore. Yeah, you can't. That, that's disappointing. Um.
1: All right. Moving on. Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins defending the tag team titles against Cesaro and Sheamus. And uh, Aaron's got Ambrose and Rollins retaining because who gives a shit? And <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I kind of I feel like in the same boat this past week you have the thing where uh the the good brothers come out and they call ambrose and rollins nerds and dean ambrose loses his mind screaming don't call me a nerd and then there's a big scuffle and it's just like what
0: who are the good brothers
1: Oh uh, the the club
0: okay yeah, um, carl
1: anderson and, and luke gallows they call each other good brother so
0: okay yeah that makes sense um I could see Cesaro and Sheamus winning this because uh, I can't see them wanting to keep Ambrose and Rollins as a tag team for yeah. much longer because, you know, WWE wants single stars and both of these guys are single stars. They're just trying to take him. They, you know, they were taking them away from the spotlight they were getting. Um, yep. So I, I, I could see Cesaro and Sheamus winning this because I don't think that they're in that spot to get. The single pushes, but you know, Ambrose and Rollins, you could uh, split them back up and have them do separate things without it just having to be in the championship picture.
1: Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like that Rollins and Ambrose are going to retain. I, I, I see them keeping the belts a little bit longer. but uh, John Cena against Roman Reigns.
0: I think this match could actually end up being a good match.
1: This is the match that they've been that there was talked about, oh, this is going to happen at WrestleMania next year. You know, like that this is the predicted main event for Mania was going to be these guys wrestling each other. And then now they're wrestling here. I don't know why they've they they've sped it up. I don't know if they're changing plans for Reigns, I don't know if Cena's not going to be around for much longer or he's going to be taking more time off or whatever. But um this match, I, I think, is going to surprise people. I think it's, I, I feel like it's going to surprise even me and be a lot better than I think it's going to be.
0: Yeah, I, you know, Cena has very much has, so has the ability to put on a good match. Um, I mean, I think, I think you and I both know, and a lot of people know that he gets a lot of criticism for his performance that is unjustified. Yeah. Like he can go in and put in really, and he, I mean, he phones it in sometimes too. But at least when he phones it in, like. He's still doing decent, unlike you know. You compare him a bit to some other people, like one of the guys in the last match that uh, doesn't even phone it in. It just Dean
1: Ambrose, lazy yeah, fuck, yeah,
0: terrible. You know, John Cena, even when he phones it in,
1: yep, yeah.
0: it's still like if you're a kid watching that, you think it's the greatest thing ever because he still does it good enough, you know. Yep, um, and I I can't see him not pushing reigns to be his best like behind the scenes too you know reigns has been somebody who's been built up to be uh you know to be that next guy like cena whether you know we say it's being shoved down our throats or whatever um and you've heard so many different people in you know in wrestling say that that reigns gets unjustified criticism too Yep. Watching him, sometimes I think he's put on good shows and people still give him shit. And I've seen him put on a lot of really bad matches, too, that I think that he has no reason to put on matches bad like that. But uh, I, think I could see this being one heel. of the best things he does.
1: I think they just need to make Roman Reigns a heel.
0: He, You can't just not care if you're a good guy. That's the thing. You right. can't just and, be apathetic. And that's, that's how they play him. Like, I'm just too cool. I don't care. That's a right. heel.
1: Yeah, I think he needs to be healed because I'll say this. Back in the old Florida Championship wrestling days and early NXT, if you watch Roman Reigns as just Roman Reigns, who was a cocky, arrogant heel, uh, he did a great job. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, get rid of the ooh crap he does before he spears someone because, you know, when you do it once in a match, cool. But when you do it every single time you're going to spear someone, it's like just fucking hit the move or cocking his fist oh for the love of god Mm -hmm. yeah anyhow uh brock lesnar against braun Strowman. i'm actually excited for this match i don't know who's gonna win i don't frankly care who wins i just want to see these two big hosses beat the fuck out of each other
0: yeah i mean Strowman looks like he could take it and like he can give it and i mean we obviously know lesnar could take it and give it one of the things that's really impressed me about Lesnar since I – because Lesnar totally fell in that phase where I didn't watch wrestling at all. Yeah. Like, you know, he returned after I had started watching and had been watching again for a while. But, like, his – you know, the, the pinnacle of his early career, I didn't watch anything then. He's like Kurt Angle, didn't watch a damn bit of it. Oh, um, dude,
1: you need to go watch back in 2002.
0: is it the Angle-Lesnar match you're talking about?
1: Nope. Back in 2002, Hell in a Cell, uh, Brock Lesnar, and The Undertaker. Hmm. Yeah, great match. Absolutely phenomenal match between those two. Um, Yeah, it was a Hell in a Cell match. Uh, I can't remember what pay-per-view it's on off the top of my head, but I know it was in 2002. It was in October, I believe. Probably was No Mercy then, actually. (laughs) Because that seems about the right time.
0: The Kurt Angle Brock Lesnar match, which was that a WrestleMania match? The one where Lesnar did the Shooting Star Press and landed that on his That was WrestleMania
1: head. 19, yes.
0: Yeah, so that was a. Uh, I think that was one of the first things I really saw of Lesnar because I had been buying. Um, they, they were doing those WrestleMania box sets where it's like five WrestleManias packaged together.
1: Yeah.
0: And so I was I was getting my hands on those and, uh, and watching, um. And that was one of the first things I saw with Lesnar, and that match really impressed me. Both of the guys, but uh, yeah, this match I'm I'm looking forward to too because you know like the two matches that are the easiest ones to discard if you're uh, yeah. you know a bitter wrestling fan, I think are t- the two ones that actually could be pretty darn good. And really, you know, you look at some of the other ones and I, like the Wyatt and Balor one, if they're actually given a chance to wrestle, that could be a good match. Yep. You know, I I like the way both of those guys perform.
1: You know, I I work a double this Sunday, so I'm going to watch it on the network. Probably I'll start around 1 in the morning to help me get me through that Sunday night to Monday morning. And I, I'm just – I'm keeping an open mind and just hoping for a good, you know, three-hour wrestling show. And, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I would be happy because I, I, you know, I feel like they try different things. Like, you know, any company that's trying to present a product, they'll try different things. And sometimes – what they do gets, you know, gets in a direction, but then they look at it and don't really like the way it's going, and then they adjust. You know, I mean, I felt that way with uh, with a certain comic publisher recently that I'm a big fan of. Um, and you know, you look at the, the the track of what WWE was doing for quite a while, and I feel like they gave they gave Triple H's vision a lot of play, and then I feel like after a while they you know, went back to kind of, no, we need to get back to, this is how we do things. But yeah. I mean, the guy who's saying this is how they, how we do things behind the scenes is getting pretty damn old. Yep. You know, how, how much is he really, I mean, how much is he in touch with stuff, but also like how much does he really get what's going on anymore?
1: Right. Yeah. So. I get what you're saying. And um, by the way, it was uh, no mercy 2002 where Brock Lesnar, wrestled the undertaker and in a cell match, the WWE championship. All right,
0: I'll have to check that so, one out.
1: Yeah, but listen to the rest of the card real quick. Uh, Chris Jericho and Christian, the tag team champions against Booker T and Goldust. Tori Wilson against Don Marie. I mean, who cares, but probably you'll see ass cheeks, and that's cool. Rob Van Dam versus Ric Flair. Jamie Noble, the cruiserweight champion against Tajiri. Triple H, wrestling Kane in a unification match of the World's Heavyweight Championship and the Intercontinental Championship.
0: That makes uh, and, go ahead. Unifying those, does that, that does make sense.
1: They unified them, and they did away with the IC title for a couple – for a, a time.
0: Wow, I'm surprised by that. I never knew that. You
1: didn't know that? Oh, well, it was during no. the time when you weren't watching wrestling. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, no wonder uh, I wasn't watching do shit like that.
1: Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit against Edge and Rey Mysterio in the finals for the inaugural WWE Tag Team Championship. So you had the World Tag Team title was like on Raw, and then the WWE Tag Team Championship was on SmackDown. And here's what's stupid: when they unified these titles, the World Tag Team Championship and the WWE Tag Team Championship, they discontinued. the they, they basically, when they unified them, they then retired the World Tag Team titles. So the title will, the tag titles with the longer lineage were retired, quote unquote. And the current titles we have now that the New Day just had a record run with. Uh, uh, they're not the same belts that Demolition had their record run with. So technically Demolition is still the longest reigning WWE world tag team champions. And that the new day is the longest reigning WWE tag team champions. I yeah. just want to throw that out there. Uh, <laughs> Trish Stratus against Victoria in a singles match for the women's championship. And then, like I said, that hell in the cell main event.
0: Nice. It's good yeah. stuff on there.
1: Yeah. And actually there's, there's some, a few good, uh, good matches on there. But yeah, uh, back in 2002, they uh, they want they apparently they felt oh we have too many titles so we're too many singles titles, so they actually uh, they unified the Intercontinental Championship in with the World's Heavyweight Championship. But prior to that. They unified the United States Championship and the Intercontinental Championship, and then they unified. Eventually, they unified the Hardcore Championship into the Intercontinental Championship to do away with that. And then, like you know, they they unified the Intercontinental Championship with the World's Heavyweight Championship. Um. uh, Uh. And they, but they brought back the Intercontinental title, uh, May of 2003. So they discontinued, they, they retired it in October, 2002. They brought it back May, 2003.
0: So that's just a whole bunch of dumb.
1: Yeah. Uh, Hey, thanks for joining me today, Paul. I appreciate it. This is fun. Yeah. And, uh, I'm at superstarmel uh, Superstar Mel on the Twitter, Aaron's at Aaron S Bell, Ronnie is at Rumbar three sixteen, Paul, you're at Who's Paul, and then the show is on the Facebook at Podcast for Thousand Holds, and it's on the Twitter at uh, Thousand Holds Pod or Thousand Pods Hold or I don't know, you'll find it. So thanks. <laughs>